Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today we've got... It might be a little bit of an emotional roller coaster for some of you that are listening, depending on, you know, who you are, who you know, where you happen to be right now. But, um, you know, if you've been listening to me for a while and you have, you know that sometimes everybody's thinking something, but nobody's willing to say it. And so today is going to be one of those episodes where you're probably thinking this other people you know are thinking these kinds of things and honestly folks we just got to start talking about it because until you start talking about it until you start trying to work through it things in your life will never change so i'm excited to have my friend uh, sasha on with me today and um, i will tell you the fact that you're listening to this right now means there is something at least one thing in this episode that you need to hear today. And in fact, you may not just need to hear it, but you may need to share this with other people that you know. Um, And you'll find out more as we get into this episode. So whatever you do, listen to the entire episode and let's roll that now. You are jamming with Jason Mefford, where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary and they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic accepting and loving yourself more and spreading love to others since really all you need is love And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We discuss all aspects of self-improvement, growth, and so much more. Great content, insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens. You're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, authentic, and entertaining podcast. Now, let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. All right, Sasha. Hey, Jason. <laughs> you are, you know, I, we haven't known each other for very long, but you are one of my favorite people already. Aww. Oh, <laughs> I feel kind of the same about you. Do you? Okay. Well, then Ooh, I guess I it's meant. It's 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 meant to be, right? And and I know it's um, you know, I guess before we kind of dig in, because I think you know both of us kind of have an idea of what we want to talk about today. But I I always like to 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 give people a little kind of a, a little thumbnail origin story, because for me, the people who are making the change in the world there's usually a reason, right? There's a reason behind why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the people with the most passion that actually change the world are the people that have some of these kind of stories. And I know you're one of those people yeah. that has one of these stories. So just, just kind of introduce yourself briefly, let people know who you are um, and kind of why you do what you do. Hmm. Well, there's nothing brief in the story about why I do what I do. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll but... get more into, into the story later too, but you know. Yeah, yeah, no. So in terms of, of me and who I am, um, I have my, my own business um, here in Canada, a consulting firm in leadership and culture development. So I work with leaders um, anytime from first line, uh, front line managers, new managers, all the way up to the C-suite. Um, and particularly so at that senior level. And the work that I do, obviously I wanna help them be better leaders. But for me, the core piece of that is, I want you to be a better human being. I want you to be a better version of yourself first and foremost, because that's the type of person other people wanna follow. Um, so I'm really, I'm really invested in that. I'm really passionate about that. And, you know, and in terms of why I do it, which I know we'll get more into, but a lot of that stems, quite frankly, from I've seen everything from poor leadership to absolutely abysmal to toxic and destructive leadership. Um, and I witnessed that. I've, I've experienced it personally, obviously, in terms of some of the bosses I've had. I think most of us have an experience of a bad boss at some point. Um, but even more so, I witnessed that because of what my father went through with a particularly toxic and bullying boss. Um, and so I've seen firsthand what that kind of leadership, if you can call it that, and I don't really call it that anymore, but what that type of management and and interaction can do to another human being. Well, and I think that's why, you know, again, that's one of the reasons why I love you so much, because it's it's about all of us becoming better human beings, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times in business, because I mean, hell, I've done the same thing, right? I mean, I've been in the corporate world for a long time. I've had some very toxic bosses, some that are just fabulous. Yeah. And I, and I think so much of the time people feel like, or they get told that in order to be a good leader, you've got to be, you got to be strong. You, mm-hmm. you got to almost be like an asshole in order to, to be a good leader. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. Right. I mean, somebody I had yeah. on the podcast earlier, you know, she, she said leadership is caring for people. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that is a great way to think about it. Yeah. And if you're doing a lot of these other activities, you're not really caring for people. You know, yeah. it's almost like we've got to bring humanity back into the workplace. It's, 100%. It's missing right now. It's missing, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. It is. And um, there's a lot of pressure on leaders to deliver results. And mm. that's great. I mean, I get it. That's kind of why we're, you know, businesses exist. But, but when we miss the whole part of caring for people, and as far as I'm concerned in this day and age, if you don't care about people and their success, you have no business being in a leadership role. Um, but the problem is a lot of people take on a leadership role without realizing that's what it entails. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are promoted into leadership positions because they excelled in what they were in. They might've been like the top salesperson or they might've been like incredible at getting particular results. Um, but then they get promoted. That doesn't mean they actually know anything about how to lead and manage other people. And then, yeah. so you take these people who are maybe were highly su- successful as individuals, and now you're making them responsible for bringing out the best in other human beings. Well, there's, there's your first big disconnect. Well, yeah, because a lot of times, you know, like you said, you, you go from being an individual contributor mm-hmm. who's very good at what you're doing and it works for you. Yeah. 
but it usually doesn't work for everybody else. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and so that's part of the problem too, is that people, they feel like, right. That because this made me successful, well, everybody else has to do it exactly the same way. Cause that's the mm -hmm. only way to be successful. Yeah. But <laughs> we're all different, yeah, you know, absolutely. So, so I want to, you know, be, because, you know, like I said, I, I, I know your dad's story, but uh, other people don't. And I've had, mm -hmm. I've had some, some same situations for me. I've had other family members, other people that I know that have gone through things that are similar. So let's just, let's just talk about it because I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that I hope is people realize they're not alone. Yeah. You know, so much of the time we all think that we're the only ones feeling this way. Mm -hmm. We're the only ones going through something like this. There must be something wrong with me. Yeah. Um, but there's not. So yeah. so kind of kind of share share a little bit about what happened. I'll share some, you know, from my standpoint yeah. too. But I, you know, I one thing I want to make sure and get clear to people is with when they can see that other people are going through some of the same mm -hmm. things, they realize they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and they're definitely not alone. Um, and and I'm almost sad to say I'm like I I was always I'm always in a sense really sad to find out how many people go through the type of things that my dad went through. Um, but that it, it emphasizes for me it's even more important that we're talking about it and that we're doing something to change it. So, I mean, my dad, um, uh, my dad was a heavy duty mechanic. Um, I mean, he had done a number of different, you know, blue collar type jobs um, in roofing and construction and that sort of thing. And then ended up, you know, in, in being a mechanic. And, um, and that's not the easiest environment. It's usually a tough male dominated environment. So there's like some natural, I would say, cultural stuff in terms of, you know, being the tough guy and, you know, them talking smack to each other and, you know, probably a lot of cursing and all that kind of stuff. That, that is normal. And I have no problem with cursing, by the way, <laughs> but, um, you know, like having worked on lots of construction sites, I can validate exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Of course, right. <laughs> and there's a lot of, you know, how they would talk to each other, which, you know, in, in, you know, in certain other environments would not be acceptable, but in that one is, however, um, you know, and this was when around, my dad was around 59, 58, 59 years old. He ended up getting a, a uh, there was a manager put in, in the management position. And this guy was like a real tough guy, apparently, um, quite dominating, authoritarian, um, frankly, just a real ass from, from how it, he, you know, um, I remember my dad describing him. And my dad was the sort of person who typically was not afraid to speak up. I mean, he would tell you what he thought about you in a heartbeat. Um, he would also speak up when other, other guys at the shop would not speak up against something. So he had no problem at first to disagree with this manager or to push back on him, et cetera. Um, that really backfired on him in this instance, though, because this manager was quite a bully. Um, and so my dad became then quite a natural target for this manager to go after because as the one pushing back or speaking up, it was like, it was obviously this manager's intent to quelch that as, as fast as he could. So there was um, quite a bit of bullying that started to take place. Um, a lot of, you know, and again, my, I can't, I don't, I'm not gonna go into everything that my dad went through in, in that instance, but it, just a lot of things where my dad was starting to question like, 
does this guy not think I can do the job? He thinks I'm not capable. Um, he's getting like pulled off good jobs and put onto really crappy jobs, horrible shifts, like all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and it got to the point where my dad was starting to have trouble sleeping because his stress was going up. And at first that was just, you know, it's like, it happens to all of us. We have a pretty stressful day at work or, you know, we have a stressful interaction. Things aren't going well with the boss. We don't sleep very well. But for my dad, it started becoming quite chronic. And, and what first was a few nights turned into weeks and then months. Um, and then he was starting to actually have trouble functioning because at that point, when you're not sleeping, you've got a lot of cortisol, you know, in your system, adrenaline, et cetera. Um, you know, he was starting to shake, like physically shake, which made being a mechanic a bit of a dicey proposition. Um, he also would have to drive long distances to go to sites and that sort of thing. So he ended up going off work for a period of time on short-term disability. Um, but to be honest, that I think made things even worse because then he was at home all the time. And my dad's, my dad's whole kind of life mantra was you work to provide for your family. And now all of a sudden he was stuck in this place of not working. So for him, no real sense of, of purpose or identity or, you know, or providing really even in, in the way that he would have thought of it. And so at that point between the insomnia and I think just literally being at home, thinking about sleeping all the time, but not being able to sleep, he really spiraled into quite a depression. Um, and after nearly a year of all of that, he ended up taking his own life. Um, I had just like literally a week before been accepted into graduate studies to, for, to study leadership. Because mm -hmm. at that time I was in, I was new in a manager role myself and it was really my first foray into leadership. Um, and I don't know where life would have ended up, obviously, Jason, I can kind of guess, <laughs> but it probably would have been something maybe a bit more, I don't know, superficial or light. But because of what happened to my dad at that exact timing, it became crystal clear for me that everything I had to do now in terms of studying leadership and going forward was to try and, and as much as possible, get rid of leaders like that in the workplace, get rid of people who could take another human being and make them feel so insignificant, so unimportant, like not value, like all of the, like the way he made my dad feel like shit, mm -hmm. um, that should just never happen in the workplace. And for me, it just became, I wanna make sure that we don't have leaders like that. And if we do, then let's work with the other real leaders to help get rid of those people as quickly as possible because they do so much damage. Well, and I think that's that's the important thing is, you know, like you said, that, that there, there, there's gonna be people like that. Yeah. that end up in organizations, especially yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you end up having, you know, if you work for a company with more than a hundred people, there's going to be a few people like this. Yeah. But, but what's interesting and what you bring up and cause it, it reminds me of a story. One of my sisters had a very toxic manager mm -hmm. and, and I remember, you know, this was, you know, many years ago, but she was calling me and, you know, cause she knew kind of my background and what I'd been yeah. doing. And she's like, this is what's happening. This isn't right. Is it? And it's like, uh, well, no, first yeah. off, the person's not treating you like a human being. But, you know, I mean, it, it got to the point to where we were even talking about, you know, potential legal action or other stuff yeah. that she could take because my my sister was getting singled out yeah. and 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 really kind of, you know, discriminated against and and, and bullied in a way, you know, where yeah. 
again, she was having some health issues with her husband. Mm -hmm. There were some other things that were going on. And, and what's interesting though, is because, because what you said was, you know, I, I had kind of forgotten about the discussion I had with my sister. This was probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, something like that, that we were talking about this. And she just called me recently and said, Hey, you remember that manager I was talking about? Yeah. I said, Oh yeah. And she's, and she said, well, she just got early retired finally from that job. So my sister had left and and moved on. But as we were talking about it, it's like that woman caused how many people to leave over time. Right. And so, I mean, we were just starting to throw numbers out there and it's, it was a, you know, smaller medical group. Well, not smaller, but, you know, a, um, kind of attached to a, to a hospital. It's still, still a good sized staff and, and everything. But over the time, I mean, just quickly in my head, as she was throwing numbers out, I'm like, this woman costs this company literally millions of dollars. Yeah by having the turnover that was significantly higher than anywhere else in this practice in her group, right? And she was managing 20, 30 people, something like that. But when you have, you know, turnover of 10 to 15 people a year, it's like, that's not normal, No, it's not. But it's definitely not. But it's kind of the two sides, right? It's like trying to help, help fix those leaders, but also it's like, what the fuck? folks you know it's like yeah wake up. why are why are you protecting someone who is toxic mm-hmm. right i mean it, it's like the catholic church just moving pedophile priests yeah. to another parish so they can go you know manipulate other other kids somewhere else it's like it doesn't fix the problem it only makes no. it worse when you ignore it yeah absolutely and it's incredible to me how often that behavior gets tolerated and justified um, and, and yeah, it, it is a problem and I get it. I mean, as much as I want those people to not be in organizations, I mean, heck, I'd love it if they weren't on the planet, uh, <laughs> that's not real life, uh, but it's, you know, it's what, you know, it's what you and I are up to in terms of trying to make things better. And again, not only, not only changing leaders, but, you know, for me, it's also about working with people who might be in those situations so that they can find a way out of it, whether it's, I need to stand up for myself more. I might need to pursue what, you know, something as dramatic as legal action, et cetera, or it's just, I need to make a choice to remove myself from this job because you know what? Your life is never worth that. It is never worth being in a job where you're treated like that. Well, I don't know. Cause, that, cause that's where I wanted to kind of go to, because I know, you know, a lot of the people that are listening, they might be sitting there thinking, who, I totally get that. Maybe I feel like that. You know, hopefully if there's anybody who's out there that's not treating the people they work with like a human being, it's like, wake the fuck up, you know, quit doing it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. But again, they're probably not even listening to this because they don't even think they have a problem. Yeah, I know. That's the unfortunate truth. <laughs> that's Those are the, the people that are truth, never right? listening to these podcasts. So, so the people that are listening, right, they're probably the people like your dad, like my sister, like you and I, right? I mean, because like, like you said, both of us have even had times in our careers where we felt like this, right? I mean, and I had, I had violent thoughts about one person not being on the planet anymore, 
right? And things that I would like to do to that person. It's like, that, that is not who I am. No. But that person kind of drove me to that point by, by triggering me. So, so what are some things that people are listening can do for themselves, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's kind of some of these big things, right? The, the, you already kind of mentioned three mm -hmm. things of, do I stand up for myself? Yeah. Right. Do I, do I just get the hell out of there? Mm -hmm. Right. But, but those are kind of some drastic things that I think most people are afraid of doing. Yeah. Because the reality is most people that work, especially in a, a corporate job, their healthcare, you know, I know yeah. it's different for you guys in Canada, but for mm -hmm. here, it's like, you leave your job, you lose your healthcare, you lose yeah. all this kind of stuff. So the employers really have you kind of by the balls. Yeah. And so the pain has to be great for you to end up leaving. But, yeah. but what are some things people can start doing or start thinking, you know, before they have to take some of these drastic measures, if you will? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and it varies, obviously, depending on the situation and the context. So let's go like at the, let's call it the least extreme end. Let's say you've got a boss, um, there's some behaviors that you think are inappropriate they're having a bad impact on you maybe they're they're they may be bullying or there might be borderline bullying in some cases it like if you've never spoken to your boss about it before and all those is a super hard thing to do i do advocate and i try to help coach people to at least attempt to have a conversation about the impact that your boss's behavior is having on you because sometimes not always but it definitely happens there are bosses who genuinely do want to do the right thing, but they've got some bad behaviors <laughs> and, you know, wherever they learned it along the way, et cetera. I've worked with some leaders who, frankly, when they had their assessments done, you're a bully, you're aggressive, you're demeaning, et cetera. Leader had no clue. They had no clue. That's how they were actually showing up for people. And they were appalled and devastated by their own results. So on the one hand, it's entirely possible your boss doesn't actually understand the impact they're having on you. I've seen that happen. So, and in some cases, when they, they get that feedback and it really starts to sink in, they're willing to make the change. Now, that's a lovely ideal case scenario. Um, it can certainly be beneficial to have outside support like a coach or a human resources person um, in the organization to help. But so, in some cases, especially if you've never done it before and you don't know how it will be received, sometimes sharing like the impact this person is having on you and what you would appreciate different can actually shift things. Um, now let's go further down the line where maybe I've done that and nothing shifted or I started getting pushback, defensiveness, or now I've become singled out a target. So now I've actually made things worse or the behavior is just getting worse. Um, this is where I don't advocate now trying to confront the person um, because you're not safe in that scenario. And so it's always about like how much, you know, you have to gauge for safety, right? Um, depends if people think they can, in fact, go to human resources, if that's an option for them. Is there someone you can go to within the organization? If not within the organization, is there somebody you can reach out to outside of the organization? No matter what, and maybe I take this from my dad's own example, but the one thing I think is really important is to find somebody you can go and talk to about it. Because one of the big dangers, and I know what for sure what happened with my dad was he because he was quite introverted, 
And I think, you know, wanting to be, you know, again, he was used to being, you know, tough, invulnerable, et cetera, just felt like he couldn't talk about it, didn't talk about it with anyone. And I think that made him feel even more isolated. Like there was something in fact wrong with him, but I think in fact, had he bothered to talk to even some of the other men, like on the team, et cetera, he would have found out he was not alone. He was not losing his mind, like any of these types of things. So I do think it's important in some way, shape or form to reach out like how your sister reached out to you. Right. And then she at least had a thinking partner of, am I crazy? Or like, is like, is this normal? So, you know, and you could probably speak to that too, but I think that like, first and foremost, you've got to reach out to somebody and, and double check like that reality of, am I making this up or am I exaggerating this? Or is in fact, there's something wrong with this behavior and how I'm being treated. Well, and I think that's, that's an important really important step right because Mm -hmm. we 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 go crazy when we keep things in our head yeah and you know again i know there's there's a lot of reasons why why people feel like they they shouldn't reach out oh Mm -hmm. sasha's busy yeah i don't want to bother her right well if somebody loves you you're not a bother if you need help right i mean it's like i just had a recent extended family issue and it's like why didn't you reach out? I'm here. Mm-hmm. All you'd have to do is call, but it was one of those like, well, I know you're busy, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Right. But, you know, so much of the time, I mean, we, we overthink anyway, as human beings. And yeah. and yeah, if, if you're just stuck in your own head and you're just repeating things over and over and over again, you're just reinforcing those things. And it's like, you're like, you're in a pressure cooker. You know, mm-hmm. it's like my parents used to can a lot when I was younger. And so we'd have a pressure cooker, right? Yeah. And the pressure would heat up and then, you know, the steam would get let off. And I think the problem is that, you know, so many of us were under that pressure cooker, mm-hmm. but we don't want to let the steam out. Yeah. And what happens if you don't let the steam out is it blows up, right? 100%. That's that's why pressure cookers have a little pepcock or whatever they call those things on them so that once the pressure gets to a certain point it can be released and like you said a lot of times that's just reaching out and talking to somebody else to to make sure hey I'm not crazy am I because most of the time you're not going to be now sometimes we might be wrong and it's like yeah Yeah. you're kind of being a victim and you're being a little too sensitive Mm -hmm. but there is that I think for most people it's you're not crazy and yeah. a lot of other people are going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, um, it, it is unfortunate. And, and there, it is two sides of that. You're right. Because sometimes it's how we interpret things. It's our own stuff. And we might happen to have a boss who's like pushing all the buttons on our stuff. Um, and I've, obviously I've seen the, the, that happen too. I worked in human resources for many years and had a number of bullying and harassment complaints come in where, I mean, frankly, there was no validity to them. And to be honest, sometimes the actual bully was the person who had filed the complaint. <laughs> so, they know, were using it to get the other person in trouble. Yeah. You know, um, you know if there's another expression, which is you spot it, you got it. <laughs> right. In terms of how we project onto other people as well, too. So, so those, th- those are very different scenarios, obviously. But back to, you know, if you, in fact, are the one who is literally dealing with the brunt of this bad behavior or any type of bullying, I just don't think there's anything more important than reaching out for help and support. And I know that can be a very hard thing to do, asking for help. Um, 
but again, like to me, look at the alternative, <laughs> look at the alternative, which is to isolate yourself, um, you know, and, and whether it gets, you know, as, as serious as my dad's did in terms of taking your own life, even just the consequences alone, like you mentioned, you know, your sister's health issues, et cetera. I see that happen for a lot of people, that level of prolonged stress, um, even if it's, you know, whether it's insomnia or not, just that kind of stress, that's going to take a significant toll on our health and well-being. And then it impacts your other relationships, your family life, your home life. Like, again, like the costs are significant versus, okay, it might be uncomfortable for me to ask for help, but it might be a whole lot better in the long run. Well, and I think that's one of those things that a lot of times we, we, we don't think about because, you know, again, the, the stress levels are up, you know, yeah. I, I usually kind of follow the, the American Psychology Association puts out like a survey every year. Mm -hmm. In the last couple of years, again, I mean, stuff has just been off the chart, just sure. with, especially here in the U.S., all the different things that we're dealing with from the little virus, the, and a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Oh, Political, yeah. and social stuff that's, that's been boiling up here, especially in the U.S. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's one of those to where we're, we're, we're we're going to have a serious mental health crisis. We already yeah. have a we serious mental health crisis. Yeah. People just don't realize it. And, and I, and I see this showing up, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the disease, a lot of the pain, a lot of the things that people are feeling in their body, it's because of stress, mm -hmm. right? It's like, yeah. it's like, unless you had some sort of traumatic injury you know like i fall and break my arm how my yeah. arm hurts well yeah that's probably because of the trauma of the broken bone right mm -hmm. but it's like you know there, there's so many of these things like back pain yeah headaches insomnia uh stomach issues right like feeling nauseous feeling sick you know yep. and and there's there's so much of the time that as people are you know, again, my wife, one of the jobs that she was in, it was, you know, <laughs> I started to look for patterns. And it was surprising how many times on Monday, she wasn't feeling well and couldn't go into work. Yep. And if and if you look, you know, Monday is probably one of the biggest absentee days. And, you know, people at the corporations will say, well, it's because you're trying to take a long weekend. Yeah. No, it's, it's because people are freaking day, out. <laughs> well, and it's also the day I remember reading years ago. It is when the most heart attacks occur. Most heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Sunday nights and Monday mornings are when the majority of heart attacks occur. Like, you know, and again, like all of these things correlate to you get people like they're so stressed out. They don't want to go back to work. Right. And you get like this reprieve maybe on a Friday afternoon and a Saturday. And this is assuming a normal work week, obviously, but but there's, there's legit reason to it. And I can totally believe, you know, you would have seen a pattern of, oh, somehow on Monday mornings, I don't feel well. Because this is, you know, it, that stress is always going to show up on the body. Um, and that stress, again, you know, at an elevated, um, in an elevated way, and for a prolonged period of time, that's the root cause of almost every single major illness and disease. Yep. Yeah, we think it's physical, but it usually starts from a mental perspective, and then yeah. drops itself into the body. Yeah, because right. I, one of my friends is a she she does massage therapy, mm -hmm. and and but she does some coaching and other stuff too. And so I remember the story that she told me. She said, 
this, you know, one of her clients came in and said, you know, oh, you know, I've got this pain in the neck. So she did a little NLP trick on her. She said, oh, who's the pain in your neck? And, she, and the lady goes, John, or whatever the guy's name was, like, <laughs> without even realizing it, she just like said a name and she's like, what? Yeah. Hold it. It's like, yeah, so that's probably causing, right, some of that literal pain that you're having in your yeah. neck because subconsciously you're looking at it and you're saying oh john's a pain in the neck john's a pain mm -hmm. in the neck right and so you end up getting a pain in the neck as yeah. well yeah so it's but yeah so okay so we talked about look so you great. know first off and again we're going to weave through here so i always love to do this where it's <laughs> like everybody wants the bullet points we're giving you the bullet points but you got to find them you got to pull them out here right so i'll summarize a little bit for you but you know what I'm not responsible for your learning. You want to learn. No, that's right. All, all that you need is in here. You just got to pull it out, right? But and so take something different. <laughs> well, and everybody does take something different because yeah. they take what they need to at this time, right? Okay. So, so one thing you could have a conversation with your boss because, mm -hmm. like you said, I think, I think there are a lot of people that don't realize what they're doing that's yeah. it, it's not it's not their intention to right. hurt other people or to say things that make people feel uncomfortable that's not necessarily their intention but until until they're aware of it yeah they can't change it or do anything about it and obviously you know there's ways to learn how to do that right so yeah. it's different so you're not like you know con confronting in in a bad way but having you know, an authentic, genuine conversation with somebody, yeah. whether it's your boss or your partner, right? It's the same thing. And so you'd want to have it in a caring way, but bringing that awareness. And again, I'm a, I'm a positive person. So I, I like to think that 80% of the people that are doing mm -hmm. stuff don't realize they're doing it and having yeah. a good communication is probably going to fix it. Right? Yeah. I, be I believe that's true too. And, and sometimes it doesn't always go well at first, because it can be hard for, you know, someone in a leadership position to hear that, you know, and be confronted with the fact that, oh, like, what? That's how it landed for you? But, but I believe most people, like you just said, genuinely have good intent, but they don't actually realize how that's, that's hitting other people. Um, and, and when confronted with that, they'll be willing to do something about it, right? Now, whether or not they know enough how, like how to change it is another question. Um, but even still, sometimes that alone can really make a difference. And we can solve a lot of stuff, even just if we did that. And one of the things I work with leaders on a lot these days is helping them get better at asking for feedback because most leaders don't even do that. Um, they just assume that if people have a problem with them that they'll tell them, but when I ask every person, like, how many of you give feedback to your boss? I'll get maybe one person out of 10 that raises their hand. Because how many people are willing to, you know, it takes courage to give feedback to your boss because they've got power over you. They've got authority. Um, and depending how I think that's going to be received. But we also make up stories in our own head of like, oh, it's not safe. The boss isn't going to take it well, et cetera. And again, I, I don't believe that's true. I think it's true in a small percentage of cases. I think most bosses are willing to some degree to hear it, right? But we have all have to test that out for ourselves. Um, but that's, you know, again, when you're not safe and they truly won't take it well, that is a whole different ball game. Yeah, because then you, then you actually need more of the help and you just, Correct. you gotta, you gotta start, gotta start getting it out there. But it's, it's, um, 
you know, because as, as we're sitting here talking about it too, you know, it's like, I, I think that um, so much of the time we don't, we don't really know how to regulate our own emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that, there's that term emotional intelligence and people throw it out there. And I've, I, I don't know how many times I've, I've taught on it. I mean, I, I coach people on how to do it right in my programs yeah. and things, but most of the time when people hear about emotional intelligence, they're like, oh yeah, my boss needs to be more emotionally intelligent. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's always about the boss. Oh yeah. Always. Just doesn't get it. Right. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. I mean, if, if, if you go back to like, you know, the five principles, right. That kind of came up with to begin with on it. It's like four of those are about you, <laughs> right. Before you ever get to other people. Absolutely. And, and, and I, you know, I, it makes me wonder too, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but a lot of times, you know, when we're feeling those things. So again, I'm, I'm talking about it from the person kind of receiving, mm-hmm. right. Is a lot of times when those triggers or those other things come, we just don't know how to deal with it either. Yeah. Right. We're, we, we don't know how to, how to process it on our own and work through it. And so as a result of that, we just keep stuffing it down, stuffing it yeah. down, stuffing it down, right? That's why lower back pain is stuffed down emotions, yeah. right? Because that's where yep. it tends to settle in our torso. Um, but but have you seen that too? Is, is, is part of this maybe that we, we just don't understand how oh. to really, yeah. you know, regulate ourselves emotionally? No, we don't. And, and in general, as a society, um, it's not, it's not widely taught, not wildly understood. So, and again, where do most of us learn it in our families? You know, I know they teach more of it now at school. Like I was actually impressed. I have an eight-year-old daughter and she has a bigger emotional vocabulary, you know, at eight <laughs> than a lot of adults I know. So I think it's getting better. Um, but you know, that being said, the, you know, naming it is one thing, regulating it is a whole other thing. And the other problem isn't like, especially in North America, what we're really taught is just numb it. Just, you know, a stressful day at work, go to happy hour with everyone, have a few drinks and it'll be okay. Right. Like go home and binge on Netflix. Um, and you know, and, and we get indoctrinated with a lot of that of go shopping, work some more, drink some more, you know, smoke a joint, like you name it, like just in some way numb out rather than actually deal with what it is that you're feeling and do something to work through it. And that's a big problem because as you said that, I mean, it's not like those feelings go away just because I have a few cocktails doesn't mean I don't, I'm no longer stressed. Life is good, et cetera. Cause when that buzz wears off, I am right back to where I was before And in fact, I probably feel worse because, you know, like the cycle just perpetuates itself. No, it does. And 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 I've seen that so much of the time, too, of where, you know, in one of the patterns that I want to have broken, right? And some of it is, like you said, it's learned behavior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, this is all fictitious because my father was not an alcoholic. (laughs) Okay. Never, never touched, (laughs) never touched alcohol as far as I know. But, you know, if I was taught right? If, if I grow up in a house where my dad has a stressful job, he comes home, he gets drunk every night to numb, mm-hmm. right? Because of the, the stress that comes home from work. So he drinks, maybe my mom doesn't like it that much. She might say something, he might get a little abusive, he might yeah. hit her, uh, might hit me, 
right as a kid right so these things might happen then he you know he wakes up in the morning with a hangover he goes back to work he comes home he does it again right and it, be, yeah. it starts to become this cycle right yeah. and that that that's that's all that i've been taught so again mm -hmm. if i see myself getting into stressful situations i might turn to something like alcohol yeah to try to numb but the problem is while we're numbing we usually fuck up other things too right like, oh yeah like you know you say something you didn't mean to say you mm -hmm. accidentally hit somebody that you yeah. never would have if you were in your right mind yeah and so the problem is we're carrying home a lot of these things and then through these numbing behaviors and it doesn't have to be substance right like you said it could yeah. be retail therapy right mm -hmm. so I'm stressed out. So I go buy a bunch of stuff on my credit card and then I can't yeah. make my payments. And now we've got financial struggles, right? Yeah. But it's absolutely it's, it's the same thing. It just shows up in a different way. Yeah. Um, but you know, you you just see these patterns over and over again. It's like, can we just break the patterns? Yeah. Right. I mean, and and, and how do how do we do that? How do how yeah. do we kind of you know, again, like you and I, we're trying to help remove some of the stress at work and mm -hmm. get people to regulate better so that it does it. But, you know, for, for people that are in some of those numbing behaviors, what do, what do we do? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that I means the first step, the first step is always awareness. And it's, are you even aware of how you're numbing? Cause we all have different ways of doing it. Um, food, alcohol, drugs, shopping, even work, right? Some people just decide I'll just work more. <laughs> That's what I used to do. That's uh, you know, what I used I to mean, do. Uh, there's a reason we have the term workaholic, right? Because there's a number of us that can take that to extremes. Um, so you name it, but it's in what way are you trying to numb? Like that's the first question to ask. And, and I think we all do it in some particular way or ways, plural. It's just a matter of, can I identify why I'm doing this? Like, why am I in fact spending all this time binging on, you know, whether it's Netflix or Amazon Prime or you name it, or why am I, you know, actually buying like five bottles of wine a week or whatever it is. Like, if you can get really clear on why are you doing it? Is it in fact numb? Okay, well, if you identify that, now you've got to figure out, okay, so what's my strategy to find a much more constructive behavior? And that's the harder part, I think, because Finding a constructive behavior means you got to also confront why are you numbing in the first place? Hmm. Right? So I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying it's totally possible because the one thing about patterns is we can all get ourselves caught in negative or un unhelpful, unproductive patterns. But once you break the pattern and you can start to shift that, you can also create really positive and reinforcing patterns. Right, you can decide I'm just going to go for a walk after work instead of those three cocktails or whatever. I am going to call a friend and talk to someone, um, you know, and, and maybe we have an agreement. I mean, there's a reason, like, we have the term venting, you know, back to your pressure cooker analogy. One of the things about venting is that when we do it in a constructive way, is it helps release some of that pressure because we generally feel better once we've talked about it um you know as long as that venting doesn't doesn't become you know toxic in itself where all we do is kind of bitch and moan and complain and we never try to do anything good about it um but venting in itself is really helpful because it's a pressure release right so 
So it's finding what would be a more productive pattern or a more helpful pattern for me that would in fact help me feel better, not just numb the bad feelings that I don't want to be feeling. Yeah, because, you know, the problem is, like you said, the numbing, we never actually deal with it. We never feel it Mm -hmm. and we just shove it down. Yeah. But the venting kind of allows you to to process it and move through it sometimes even quicker, right? Because as as you're sitting there talking about it, it's, you know, we, we, I mean, there's some real tools, right. That people can use, like you can scream into a pillow, right. I mean, it it sounds, it sounds, I know, I know if you're listening, it probably sounds crazy, but I will tell you, you know, like if you're angry or mad and, and literally you like pick up the pillow and you just like start screaming into it, right? It's, it's this visceral physical feeling and you can actually feel some of that pressure leaving, right? Or a punching bag or, you know, I don't, I mean, there, there's a lot of different things that, that, that people could do. And and for each person, it's going to be something different. That's probably going to, to work better, but yeah, you know, crying, or mm-hmm. screaming into a pillow for five minutes is yeah. is probably a much more constructive behavior than downing, you know, a half a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, especially like for myself, one of the things I've done, um, you know, because I, you know, back to anger, because that's a really good one. I, you know, I think it's important for us to really express that anger. And it also needs, for me, at least it needs a bit of a container. So it doesn't become like now all I feel is angry because <laughs> anger can, you know, can also be, you know, well, it can get, as we've seen, it can, you know, get really dangerous too when it's unchecked. So I like to do anger on a timer. <laughs> like, you know, even you're like, you're screaming in a pillow or et cetera, or I'll do, I'll just allow myself to be as angry as I would need to be for like, one minute, maybe three minutes. If I've like really got a lot of anger, I need to work through. And in that time, I might vent to someone. It could be my husband. It could be, you know, um, you know, a friend, that kind of thing could just be sometimes to myself. I can just go on a rant. I can say and do whatever I want. Like I have full carte blanche to just, that's, you know, you know, that's French. You know, we are in Canada. We speak French. The we speak French. Uh, oh, wee wee. <laughs> exactly. So, and I'll just go for it. Right. And there's like swearing and cursing and yelling, et cetera. But when that timer goes off, like I'm done, you know, and now, like now I'm going to go and move because the next best thing for, I, I found with anger, because anger is literally that that's where your biggest fight or flight kicks in physical movement becomes really important as a physical way to process anger. So for me, that means I'll get out for like a really quick run or a walk or just something that gets me moving. If I'm at home, it'll just be, I'm just going to run up and down the stairs a few times, um, you know, which can seem, you know, in a, in a sense, really strange, but to be honest with you, I feel much better when all that's done. Now I, I can like start to settle now I can much more logically and thoughtfully start to process, okay, so what's really going on? Because the anger is a cue, but the anger, you know, is often there and it, there's other stuff going on other than just anger. Because underneath anger is usually some kind of hurt, fear, sadness, disappointment, whatever. And the anger is like the first thing that shows up is the real signal. So I think it's important to move through it, but also contain it. So then I can get to the heart of what's really going on. Well, I think that's a, that's a great point and probably one of the biggest takeaways for today too, right? Mm-hmm. Is because like you said, that some, so much of the time we end up kind of wallowing 
yeah. in our emotions. So yeah. it's easy if if we're if we're feeling fearful or anxious or depressed or angry, right? We can let that kind of expand out, you know, to longer periods of time during the day that may end up taking it out too on other people yeah. as well. And so as you were talking about that, because I remember one of my other one of the other things I've learned was was uh, somebody talking about the five minutes of wallow. Right. So they, mm, you yep. only do one to three minutes, which is even better than five, but <laughs> it's the same kind of thing where, you know, this friend of mine, you know, taught me this and he would do this with one of his other friends where it was like, th- this was his person to reach out to like, oh man, it's, it's a crappy day. Right. Yep. And so it's like, okay, you got five minutes, five minutes to wallow. Yep. That's it. I'm not, I'm not listening to it anymore. So go. Yep. Right. And then when that little dinger goes off, then it's done, right? Yep. Or, you know, getting up, you know, movement, like you said, is such a great way because it also, um, not only does it help the chemicals in our body move, but it also, mm-hmm. there's hemispherical shifts, right? Yep. That, that as as we move, so like right now, you can't see, but my my left leg is crossed over my right leg. So now I'm going to do a hemispherical shift and I'm going to put the right <laughs> leg over the left leg, Right. So even <clears throat> a lot of times, simple body movements like that yeah. kind of reset, reset your brain a little bit. And, and it's almost like rebooting it. Absolutely. Um, so that you, you start to kind of get out of whatever you happen to be in yeah. at, at that particular time. Yeah. I, and I think that's important too, right? Like, um, as I just say with, you know, when I'm working with people, every emotion has a posture right? Like if I'm really, you know, angry and indignant and righteous, like I'm not hunched over like this. I'm like, you know, it's like full on, you know, I'm angry. Whereas when I'm sad and wallowing, I'm not usually going like this. I'm like, I'm curled up in a ball in some way, like there's a slouching, right? And so, you know, and there's enough research around this as well too. And um, I think it was Amy Cuddy who initially did a TED talk on that, like with the power pose and, and that type of thing. But but different emotions have different postures. And so when you also change your physical body, you're inevitably going to start shifting your internal experience too. Because if I stand like Superman, it's going to be really hard after a minute for me to still feel really sad and wallowing, et cetera, when I'm, you know, standing like, you know, I'm about to save the world. (laughs) Super Sasha, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and, and, and people at first, they're always like, okay, that's weird. This lady's like, woohoo. But it and then but it, it the stuff works right we, we try to convince ourselves that we're just intellectual beings but we're not we're emotional beings with a physical body and all of those things have to come together in some way shape or form so yes you can shift your experience and your patterns from the inside out but you can also shift a lot of things from the outside in yeah well and i'm glad you brought that up too because I've, I've said that to people so much of the time they still don't believe me but it's scientifically proven 90 percent 95 percent of everything you do is emotionally based yeah no matter how much we try to think that we're cognitive and we're we're rational logical people no 95 percent of everything we do is emotional and yeah. i think it's you know another one that i've heard of too and i it just popped into my head again because i i remembered one of my professors, uh, when I was doing my undergrad, he worked in New York in, in marketing for a long time. And so he knew the guy that did the voiceovers for Tony the Tiger. 
okay the frosted flakes yeah <laughs> so in the middle in the middle of meetings this guy would just like break out into tony the tiger voice right and and it just kind of breaks up the meeting would 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 do some different things but i've even heard of i haven't practiced it as much but it just brings again to my awareness of something to do where you know just like your posturing right yeah if 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 you're angry you're gonna be you know kind of mm -hmm. thing but our voice even the yeah. same way right so it's like if i'm really mad at you i could i could use my voice and start yelling at you or i could go tasha i am so angry at you right now i cannot <laughs> believe what you're doing <laughs> you know, if, if you use some other some other yeah. silly voice it even i think that would even kind of help you just so like true. you said running up or down the stairs or or doing some of the other stuff use a voice maybe that's different than what that emotion would normally you know be it's so great and that'll yeah. also probably help shift you shift you quicker too so yeah i think so too and and sometimes boy we need to shift ourselves out of that and you know certainly for me there are many cases where it's like oh yeah i just need to learn to laugh at myself a little bit more because i'm taking this you know and this could be that person's behavior or you know this event or whatever i'm taking it way too personally and way too seriously yeah no and it, it yeah reminds me you know there's there's little sayings like laughter is the best medicine mm -hmm. it's there for a reason folks <laughs> right because sure helps. because a lot of times i think again if you you know there's there's different emotional scale kind of diagrams right that <clears throat> because literally there's like <clears throat> usually different frequency it literally energy frequencies that that emit from us when we are in certain emotions yeah and so for the most part you know a lot of the things that that we would consider bad but they're not necessarily bad you know mm -hmm. it's it's all right to feel sad yeah certain times because you're supposed to feel sad sometimes you just don't want to stay stuck in yeah. being sad right yeah but what's what's the interesting thing is you know most of those that we would consider to be the more negative things anger you know depression fear anxiety those tend to have lower frequencies where mm -hmm. you know the having fun the joy the laughter the happiness those kind of things tend to have a higher frequency and so you know again even with something like laughing right <laughs> right that has a totally different kind of frequency and feel to it than if i'm yeah. just being very serious to you right now course and so yeah I, I love that the more that we can laugh i'm sure the more that that helps because we take i take myself too seriously yeah i think we <laughs> all do in some way shape or form right um because we make everything personal and most of what happens in life is not personal right but we can make the weather personal oh like oh the weather's crap and you know it's ruining my day like somehow the weather was out to get you the traffic is personal right it's making me late it's you know this person's behavior especially with other people like you know and again this is you know circling back to where we started you know and, and with leaders most of the time we think a leader's doing this stuff to us on purpose 99 percent of the time that leader has no clue yeah. They haven't thought about how it's impacting you personally. They're just thinking about what they need to get done and what's happening in their world and how they're being impacted by their boss and so on and so on. Right. So, yeah, we um, we have a really bad habit of making ourselves the victim in our own stories. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? 
that's a phrase that I've started saying to myself more, right? When, when, when it's a time when we feel like, oh, fuck, you know, kind of, kind of a time instead of just going, well, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Even just saying it now, right. makes me giggle a little bit. Totally. But it's, you know, like you said, and it's not so much of the time we take, we take things personally that we shouldn't. Um, We stay stuck in them longer than we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have to. Yeah. Right. And we, and that's the fine dance with emotional intelligence, right? It's really important to feel and it's important to work through those emotions, name them for what they are, feel them like fully. And then you got to move on and do something about it. And, and so that's the, you know, where I see people get stuck is they don't actually go into the feeling of them, et cetera. And, or they go into it and then they, to your point, they get stuck there. I wallow forever. Like I go on and on and I vent endlessly. And it's, you know, and I've had clients like that too, that I've coached who just like at session after session would want to vent and vent and vent. And I, and I just, I get to the point where I'm like, okay, enough. I get all of that. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. How, how long, the, how long are you going to keep wallowing? Yeah. Cause we could have this conversation for like a year or 10 but that's not in your best interest and it definitely isn't in mine. <laughs> so Most are know, paying I, you a lot more, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, you know, and, it, and, and I don't think most of us really want to stay stuck there, but to be honest, it's easy to stay stuck there too, because then I don't have to take responsibility for changing anything. Yeah. Well, cause that, that goes back to what you were talking about before of sometimes we just don't want to confront ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have to have the courage to confront ourselves and and see that a lot of times we're the one that's responsible for it. Yeah. Like that was kind of typing up some different like little sayings and stuff, you know, to share with people. And that was one of yeah. them that that it's, you know, I like to use the analogy of of your hand, right? And it's like mm-hmm. we always want to point our finger at somebody. Yeah. And there's one towards you, but there's three to me. Yeah. Coming and back. Yeah, there's three coming back, and just how much of the time it is that, it, it, and I've I've seen this with the executives that I work with, right? Is is that it's like I don't know how many times I've had the conversation where they're bitching about some employee, they're having this problem with this employee, blah 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 blah, right? And at the end of the day, it's like your employee isn't the one with the problem; you're the one with the problem. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's, it's like you haven't done something, right? So, so, so much of the time, the things that happen to us, there are responsibility. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if I, if I don't treat you kindly and, and you don't like me, well, mm-hmm. whose fault is that? Yeah. It's mine. Right. Yeah. Because ultimately that responsibility comes back to me. We can blame other people all day, but your life ain't going to change until you change. Yeah. Right. And as you change, then everything else around you changes as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, like one of the big things I'm always reminding people of myself included, because I still need the reminder, we are always at choice. Like there's always a choice. Right. And, you know, and even to your point about, you know, in the U S and, and, you know, people get you know stuck in their jobs because of, you know, their healthcare can get taken away, et cetera. I, I mean, I, I get it. Um, those are really hard choices to make. I mean, one of the reasons my dad stayed in his job 
and you know, despite what he was going through, like he wasn't going to quit, wasn't going to give up because he was so locked in on this idea of my pension, but I need my pension. <laughs> he didn't even live long enough to see his pension. Right. So he made a choice that, you know, in that moment to stay and to continue staying. But I mean, obviously at a very significant cost and, and I'm never going to tell anyone what to choose, but I am going to continue to remind people there's always a choice and you have to consider what are the consequences of you potentially staying in a job or staying in a bad situation? What are the consequences if you decide to go and can you deal with those consequences? But in some way, shape or form, we always have a choice. Yeah, we always have a choice, but it's good too that you bring up the consequences. There are consequences for every choice. Yeah. Right. And so again, we just have to be willing to do that. But the nice thing about choice too is if you make a choice you don't like, you get to make a new one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes you have to clean up some stuff, you know, from of the course. consequences of yeah. a previous choice, but but we always we always have a choice. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made definite choices around, well, leaving jobs, leaving relationships. Uh, I've lost a lot of money <laughs> in, in both of those cases, relationships and jobs. You know, it's like, well, oh, there goes all that money out the window. But uh -huh. at the end of the day, was I prepared to deal? I mean, maybe I wasn't fully prepared sometimes at the time to deal with those consequences, but I still figured it out and made my way through it. And it was still the better choice in terms of my sanity, my well-being, my happiness, my fulfillment, that for me was more important than do I want to stay in this job that's making me miserable or this relationship that is, you know, really unfulfilling, dysfunctional, whatever it is. Well, and I think that's where, I mean, that's a great way to kind of end and, and wrap up here a little bit too is, you know, that's the point, right? It's so much mm -hmm. of the time we want to make decisions based on money, we yeah. want to make decisions based on short-term comfort. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, how much is your mental well-being worth? How yeah. much is your physical well-being worth? Yeah. Right. Is it worth the money? Is it worth the stress? Is it worth the, you know, hospital bills, the doctor bills, the pain, the whatever else that comes along with it? Would you rather have that or maybe have an uncomfortable discussion with your boss? Which yeah. one would you rather have? Yeah. It's, it's going to, you're either going to have a, a, a short term uncomfortable discussion that hopefully doesn't lead you down the path to all that other pain. Or if you don't, yeah. I guarantee you're going to be at that pain, right? Yeah. Cause that's, that's where it ends unless we change, unless we do something different. So which one do you actually value more? Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, like you said, it's um, there's a lot of things that are worth a lot more than money and short-term discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Amen to that. <laughs> and and yeah, I've I've yeah, I, I hear you on that. All right. Well, any any last last things that you'd like to leave people with here, you know, as well that oh my gosh. Uh, like I said, you, they've gotten a lot of stuff mm -hmm. from this already. They can go yeah. back, they can rewind, they can listen again, take notes. Yeah. But any, yeah, anything no, else I think that you think? That last point we ended on, you know, again, remembering always that you're at choice. So even when you're in a tough situation, it doesn't always have to be like, do I stay or do I go? Sometimes even within an organization, 
is there a way you can, if it really isn't going to work out with a coworker or a boss, is there a way you can move to a different team or a different department, et cetera? Like it still maintain the job, but maybe you try and get a new job for yourself within the same company or organization. Like it's, it's getting really creative about what are all my possible choices, including some that may not seem so obvious at first. And that's why I also think talking to other people and helping brainstorm some of those choices can be really helpful because too often we have a very narrow view of what our, our, our own limited options are. And I think we can get a lot more creative with what's available to us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause life is full of endless possibility. Cause that's, that's the other thing, like you said, with choice. So much of the time we think a choice is either a or B, Yeah. but there's so many other choices besides a and B. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it's we, we go into something thinking we only have one choice, mm-hmm. but there might be some other options if you explore those possibilities as well. Yeah, big time. Like I had a client who did really struggle with um, with her manager and didn't re- really didn't want to leave the job, did not want to leave the organization, but so then was able to strategize getting herself involved in a lot more projects that did not have her manager's involvement. So her contact with her boss is now much more limited. It's only like 10% of the work time, whereas before it used to be like closer to 90% of the time. So she was just able to get really creative with making that shift. Can't avoid the boss entirely, but it's such a small part of her work experience now and she's infinitely happier as a result. Yeah, yeah, because she's able to interact more with the people on those other teams instead of directly with her boss. Yeah. So, so you never know, like there's, you know, you never know, but there's always a way to figure something out. That's what I believe. Well, there is. And so, you know, if, if anybody listening feels like you're at the end of your rope, there's other possibilities, reach out, Mm -hmm. reach out to somebody. There's other possibilities that you're probably not even thinking about. And that's to me, one of the beautiful things of life is some of the most, some of the best things that have ever happened to me Mm -hmm. were things that I never would have expected yeah but they just come out of the woodwork yeah. right yeah i would say the same yeah <sighs> thank oh, you my thank friend you. thank you so Great how this how, time with you how's how's the best way for people to reach out reach out to you and and uh connect with you if they want to as well best way is probably on linkedin um that's where i tend to be the most active um just because of the type of work i do with organizations so they can find me on linkedin um my website uh, which is dynamicachievement.com um you'll find more about the work we do there and those are probably the two best places you find me there you're going to find me everywhere else well and you're one of those people too where just type her name into google it's true <laughs> just google me, you'll find I, I, me. I, i'm like that way people are like well how do i get a hold of you i'm like have you ever heard of google just type my name in google and of the top 10 or 20 i'm going to be like half of them the other one is that you know there's two MDs with my same name, you know, but you know, one of them, you know, you'll know, you'll find, me. Yeah. you'll find. There's her. literally you'll nobody else with my name. So I'm very easy to Google. <laughs> <laughs> easy to Google. Well, thank you, my friend. Um, you helped a lot of people help me too, because, uh, you know, even me just listening and, and going through this, you brought some, some other stuff to my awareness again, too, that I thank you for mm, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, keep going out and doing uh, that good work and helping, helping everybody so that we can have a kinder, gentler uh, workplace with better leaders 
and more people that can emotionally regulate themselves and those around them as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too. Do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.